Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, this is uh, Dave Everett at uh, Lighthouse Discipleship uh, Center. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. We're going to continue with our, our message this morning on our rest in, resting in His goodness, or rest in His goodness, uh, depending on how you want to phrase that. But uh, um, this is really kind of a continuation of our previous series on... Um, Excuse me, sorry, uh, the, uh, series? I'm sorry. The Garden Restored. The Garden Restored, excuse me, sorry, I had to refer to my wife uh, on that, so anyway, The Garden Restored, anyway, so uh, just before I get into that, we, uh, just a couple of regular announcements, we do have our, our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock right here on, on Facebook Live, uh, and so uh, that will be the continuation and maybe even the uh, conclusion of our, our current study on Don't Limit God. We might finish that book tonight, I'm not quite sure. Uh, we might have two more weeks out yet. And then we're going to be starting a new book uh, once that one's done on the true nature of God. The true nature of God. So we're, we're excited about that when that's coming up very soon here. Anyway, uh, so and then uh, we have our regular free Bible classes on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. And those are free. Feel free to take those at any time. And again, thank you for all of those who are supporting us online uh, through your giving. <coughs> we are a 501c3 church. And uh, so at that point in time, uh, thank you for your donations. And in case you didn't know, you can give that uh, on our website as well at livehouseexactionship.org. Go to our give page, and we have a very simple process to, for you to give your tithes on one-time offering. And so, anyway, uh, God bless you. Uh, thank you for joining us. And we're just going to go ahead and dive right into the Word this morning on resting, on resting in His goodness. And so, if you will go ahead and turn with me and we get started this morning to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And we'll pick it up in verse 31, the last, the end of the chapter. <coughs> Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 says, And then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Verse chapter 2. Thus the, thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. <coughs> We're going to get into this towards a little more detail as we get to the latter part of our message this morning, hopefully if we get that far. But... You know, we're going to talk a little bit about Sabbath. We're going to talk a little bit about, I can tell you about the rest. You know, this whole series, uh, this whole title of the series, Rest in His Goodness, came from a, something that happened to Sherry and I a few years back. I think it was around 2004. We were at Crossroads and making a, uh, some decisions. Most of them having to do with finances and, and direction and whatnot. And we were, at the time, emotionally not just handling it too well. And, uh... Um, anyway, we were just basically, I say crying out to God, but we were more murmuring, complaining about the situation. We were just gradually complaining about what's going on. And we were crying out, but not with a good attitude. I'll at least say that for my part. But as we were crying out to God, looking for direction, God spoke his word to us, and he says, Rest in my goodness, and I will take care of everything. Again, he said, rest in my goodness, and I will take care of everything. You know, it's, it's taken 20 years now. We just celebrated our 20-year anniversary in May. But it's taken us 20 years now, basically 16 years since we've gotten that word. And it's taken us 16 years to understand what resting in God means. It's taken us 16 years to understand what resting in His goodness and it's taken us 16 years to understand what when God says he'll take care of everything, what he means by 
everything. And so we're going to really be looking at all three of these aspects of this message uh, in, this, in, this, in this series uh, as we go forward. But we're spending some time on the first part, part of this uh, series talking about rest, what it means to rest. And as we talk, the Bible has a lot to say about rest. And as we're looking at resting, we're going to be looking very closely how it means to trust God, trust Him, trust His goodness, trust His nature, trust His word, trust His promises, trust the cross, trust Jesus. We're resting in Him. We're resting in His finished work, in His completed work. We're resting in Him. At the same point in time, um, we're going to be looking at how, or as we're talking about rest, we're going to be talking about how rest and the Sabbath work hand in hand, how they work uh, together, and how they really are the same thing. And really, what, there's some misconceptions about the Sabbath. You know, God created the heavens and the earth six days. And it says here in Genesis chapter 2 that he rested on the seventh day. And he made it holy. We'll find out several years later, several hundred years later, that it became part of the law. But the Sabbath rest, and whenever I talk about this, I, I always ask people, so what did God do on the eighth day? Did he start creating again? What did he do on the ninth day, the tenth day, the hundredth day, the two thousandth day, the tenth thousand, the hundredth thousandth day, the millionth day? Did he keep creating? No. Rest was not just a day. Although there's a day that was set aside to worship Him, to thank Him. And we're going to get into some of that, even, if we, in, even in regards to the law. But we're going to see how it all points to Jesus. It all points to Christ. It all points to the cross. It all points to Him, including the Sabbath day, including the law of the Sabbath. We're going to look at that in, in some detail as well. But Sabbath, this rest was a lifestyle. Of resting in his goodness, knowing that he will take care of everything. That is a Sabbath. And we're going to look at that in a little more detail, using scripture to, to verify that. But God created man, I also point out, and we're going to bring this out as well. God created man last. God created man on the sixth day, not the first day. God didn't create man first. And thank God, if he created man before he created everything else, man would have been, first of all... He, he would just have been existing with no planet, <laughs> no light, no sunshine, no vegetation, no water, no food. Man would just have been existing in the atmosphere, and actually uh, he would be lost in space. It wasn't even in space yet. He would just be existing. You know how boring that would be? Just exist and nothing else is... I mean, gravity didn't even exist yet. You know, and so man would just exist. And then if he created him too early, man would have been treading water for a couple days. You know, uh, if man, he created man first, there would have been no sunshine. There would have been no food. There would have been no vegetation. No, God and his goodness, God and his mercy and his grace created man after he made a, a perfect heaven and a perfect earth that he said was very good. Then God created man. God created man in a, in a climate, in an atmosphere, in a, in, on a planet that was perfect. It was good. There was no sin. There was no sickness. There was no evil. There was no devil yet <laughs> in that regard. And so um, it just God made everything perfect and complete. And then he created man last. And we're going to look at some scripture this morning that how, you know, this is so, it's a shadow of, of what Christ has done. There's only one other thing that God's created since creation, and that we, we are new creations, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Adam was the first Adam, but Jesus is the last Adam, or the second Adam. And it says in, 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 in uh I think it's James. We are born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the, the enduring Word of God. We're created by God. We're created by the Word of God. We are created of incorruptible seed, not through Adam, but through Christ. And we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
But God made everything right for us through Jesus Christ. And then he was the first Adam. I mean, he was, a, he was a first, uh, a firstborn of many brethren, it says. He was the first one of many brethren. We are of, uh, he, he, we are, he is a son of God, but we too are children of God. It says in 1 John 3, 1, it says, Behold, a man of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. But God made everything perfect for us in Christ. And then he recreated us in Christ Jesus in a perfect God created, did everything perfect in creation and created man. God made everything perfect in salvation. And salvation, soteria, and its roots, say, sozo, is an all-inclusive word in both the Hebrew and in the Greek that means wholeness. It means healing. It means provision of prosperity. It means deliverance. It's an all-inclusive word. It's not just your sins are forgiven. That's part of it. Yes, Yes, in Christ, the, the, not only are your sins forgiven, but it says that in Galatians 3.13, that the curse is reversed. He has redeemed us from the curse. If he's redeemed us from the curse, then sickness has no claim on our lives. Lack has no claim on our lives. Why? Because we've been redeemed from the curse. Sickness is part of the curse. Deuteronomy spells that out. <clears throat> There's, uh, and that, uh, Deuteronomy 28 to be specific. And there's some other scriptures that bring up how some of the things that we struggle, that we think are normal, are part of the curse. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse. And we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And just as God rested from his work because it was done, we too are going to find out this is the Sabbath rest that we're supposed to enter into. We are supposed to rest from our work and rest in his work, what he has already done. We can't earn any of this goodness. We can't, we can't, we don't qualify. It's called grace. It's called mercy. It's called a gift of God. We have the gift of righteousness, right standing, a right relationship with God. It's not something we earn. It's not something we qualify for. It's not, it's not a wage and, and we, we get earnings. No, it's total grace. It's totally great. So that our faith is not in us. Our faith is in Him. For the just, the righteous, shall live by His faith. Just as Christ, our God, rested from His uh, work of creating the heavens and the earth, God, we are to rest in His work and making us new creations in Christ Jesus and enjoying all that He provided. Okay. I'm getting a little ahead of myself because I'm trying to set the, set the table for the direction that we're going to be going in this morning. Okay? That makes sense? That's all just kind of introductory, a little bit of recap. To go with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. <coughs> and this entire chapter basically deals with this rest and this Sabbath rest. That we're going to be talking about. So turn me to Hebrews chapter 4. Excuse me one second. Alright. Sorry, turn off the fan. It was bugging me. So, um, anyway. I'm going to be reading from the New King James. I might talk a little few times to the King James. But it goes up. Start verse 1. We're going to take this verse by verse here. Therefore, since a promise. <coughs> remains of entering his rest. Excuse me. Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Now some of these verses are going to uh, piggyback on, on one another. Now remember, when we're reading the book of Hebrews, it's written to the Hebrews. It's written to the Jews. It's not written to the Gentiles. So the author is, is preaching to a, a Jewish our Hebrew audience. The Hebrews are, were very were very loyal, if I can use that word, to the to the law, to the Old Testament, to the Old Covenant. Okay? And so he's convincing them not to trust in the law, but to trust in Christ. Does that make sense? And the Sabbath, the rest, the Sabbath is very is very sacred to the Jews. We'll get into some of that as we go forward. But so is the promised land. 
So is Israel coming from Egypt into the Promised Land and the whole Red Sea and everything that that in that uh, forty-year period of time that that that, that entails. And the Promised Land in, in Israel, the, 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 the Promised Land in Israel, the, the, the geographical area is very sacred to the Jews as well, because they consider that to be the Promised Land. Okay. And there's a lot of Jews who believe that the Promised Land is the is the fulfillment of the rest that God spoke of in Genesis chapter two. And we're going to find out in the Scripture, especially specifically in this passage in Hebrews chapter four, that. That the promised land, the geographical land, is not the fulfillment. Christ is. Christ is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Christ is the fulfillment of the rest. Christ is the rest that we are to enter into. It's all a shadow of Christ. It's all a foreshadow of Christ. We're going to get into that. I just want to set the stage for some of that. Uh, so that might be popping some questions and might be uh, tipping over some sacred cows here. But I'm going to hopefully bring out some scriptures that will bring out that. But he says, therefore, since a promise remains, he's writing to the Hebrews in the New Testament. If, if, if the promised land was the fulfillment, then there would not remain a promise that we are going to turn to. Okay? Therefore, a promise remains of entering his rest. Let us fear that any of you seem to have come short of it. Okay? See, let me just say this off the back, and I said something just last week. Entering into his rest is not automatic. Just because we're born again does not mean in our minds we have entered his rest. If we're born again, we are in Christ Jesus. So in Christ is the fulfillment of the Sabbath, the fulfillment of the rest. But that just because we are in Christ doesn't mean in our minds we have made that transformation. Roman, I mean, Romans chapter 12 talks about how we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Some of us need to reprogram this thinking. Okay? I'll, I'll, I'll hopefully elaborate that as we go forward. Even after being born again, we have a place of rest that we need to enter into. And this is a mental, this is a spiritual, this is an attitude. Am I making sense? I'm just barely getting, getting started here. But... And we're going to find out. I'm going to scroll down with me real quick to verse 11. We're going to come back. We're not there with where we're at. But verse 11 talks about how let us therefore be diligent to enter the rest. Let anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. If we go to the King James, it talks about let us labor to enter that rest. Not to be diligent. He uses a different, a different uh, verbiage there. But in verse 11, we see that in the King James, that we are the labor to enter rest. If we have the labor to do something, it's not automatic. That makes sense. We're going to touch on that some more. We're not in verse 11 yet. But we're going to find in the study that we have to believe just like Israel had to believe God when they came out of Egypt to go into the Promised Land. And we find out in, in, in Hebrews chapter 3, 4, and, and 5, and actually throughout the whole book, for that matter, that but specifically these chapters, they didn't enter in the promised land because of one main sin, singular, unbelief. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He's going to go on to say in, in chapter 11. We can't please God without faith. We are justified by faith in His grace. We are not justified just by grace alone. We have to have faith in His grace. And we're not just ju justified by faith alone. We need His grace. We're justified by faith in His grace. That makes sense. He might have provided the, the, the grace. He might have provided the promised land, but we have to have faith in it. We have to, he might have provided Christ, but we need to have faith in Christ. Christ has died for the whole world. I can quote 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. I can quote uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, 18, how Christ has, has died for the whole world. I can quote John 3, 16. Christ has died for the whole world, but the whole world hasn't received him. That makes sense. And some of us who are believers, who have received Christ, and I'm not, I'm not questioning your, if you're being born again, but you have not entered fully into all that God has come for you because you don't know it. You're still trying to get it by your performance, by your holiness, by your goodness, and you need to rest in his goodness, not yours. 
You're at the promised land. You're in, you're in, but you're not in. You know, the way, the, the, the way I look at it sometimes is we have Egypt over here. Hopefully you can see me in the camera. We have Egypt over here. We have the promised land over here. They left Egypt to go into the promised land. But they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Some of you have come out, but you haven't come in. The goal, it was a two-part goal. It wasn't just to come out of Egypt. The goal was to go into the promised land. But you can't go in the promised land if you don't come out of Egypt. Okay? You can't be two places at one time. But some of us, like Israel, have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, our lifetime, a whole generation, and failing to come into the fullness of what God has for us. Because we've been striving to do it ourselves. Moses knew that he was the deliverer of Israel, but tried to do it himself the first 40 years of his life. And then he was on the backside of the desert trying to, uh, thought he failed for 40 years. And then when he realized he, he, he got his head straight, at the age of 80, God used him to be the deliverer of Israel, doing it God's way, not his own. Resting in his goodness, not his own goodness. So much that he was able to say at the end of his life in Deuteronomy that he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Hopefully I'm making sense. In other words, we need to believe God, not us. We need to believe God that he wants to bring us out of Egypt and into the promised land. Getting God, getting out of sin, getting out of a, a bad lifestyle, walking holy is only part of the process. Yes, we need to live holy. Yes, we need to live godly. But if that's all we're striving for, we're... Church, we missed it. God wants to bring us into the promised land. And when we get the promised land, we still need to live holy, live godly, but not. In Christ Jesus. If you're living holy and godly because you're doing it, not because Christ is doing it in you, then the focus is you, not Christ. Something's wrong with that. Something is very anti-Christ about that. I, I, I don't like using that word, but antichrist, antichristo, the Greek means instead of or against Christ. If you're putting faith in what you're doing and not what God is doing in you and through you through Christ Jesus, something's wrong. You're boasting in you what you're doing. You're putting faith in what you're doing. You're not resting in his goodness. You are resting, striving in what you're doing. That's not rest. That's not the Sabbath. We need to rest in His goodness. Just because we're resting in His goodness, I'm not talking about complacency. I'm not talking about being lazy and being passive. But God's doing the work, not us. We need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in us to do and will of His good pleasure, says Philippians chapter 2, 13 and 14. I think it's 13 and 14, it might be 12 and 13, but it's, it's in that neighborhood. God, yes, we need to work our own salvation, but most people put a period there when God puts a comma. For it is God who is at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. If there's any good in me, if there's any good I'm doing, it's not because of Dave, it's because of Christ in me. And I need to put my faith in him, not me. But to just live by faith. And I'm making sense. This all speaks to the Sabbath. This all speaks of this rest. This all speaks of how, how, how this all works. But we need to believe in God. Just like Israel needed to believe in God to enter into the promised land. Go to verse 2. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. How was the gospel preached to them? The gospel was preached through the Lamb. The Passover that we celebrate every year, Israel celebrates. Jesus was a Passover Lamb, we know that. Um, 
But the first Passover happened in Egypt. And, and you'll find it talked about in Exodus chapter 12 and 13, 14, in that, that neighborhood. That was where the first Passover originated. And whose idea was it? Was it Israel who came up with a great idea with a Passover lamb? No, it was God. And it was all a shadow of Jesus. It all points to Jesus. If the script, I mean creation, everything, the Sabbath, it all points to Jesus. If something you're studying, something you're trusting, something you're putting your faith on doesn't point to Jesus, then something's wrong. Because all scripture testifies of him, it says in John, I think it's John chapter 5. I think it's in the 30s. But, but all scripture testifies of Jesus. It's always going to point to Jesus. Our putting our faith in Jesus. Including the whole creation story. Including marriage. Including uh, uh, everything we do. Or the Sabbath rest, what we're talking about. The Lamb, specifically, speaks to Jesus. You'll find this in Revelation chapter 5. That he was, you know, that John saw heaven. He saw Jesus standing on the throne of God as a lamb that was slain. Awesome, 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 awesome. But the Passover lamb. See, Israel did not, Israel did not come out of Egypt because they were good enough. They didn't come out of Egypt because they were holy enough. They came out of Egypt by the blood of the lamb. And when they, God told them that when on that Passover night, that first Passover instruction, that they were to consume the sacrifice. It says that they were to put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. And the death, when it says, and God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. And judgment will come on this house. There's only one thing that will keep you out of the hell. There's only one thing that will save you, and that is Jesus. We have to rest in his goodness. But his goodness is not just forgiveness. His goodness will take care of everything that you need. Everything that you're crying. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later in our study. Am I making sense? The gospel through the Lamb was preached to them. But it says that it did not profit them. That the word which they heard did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, Israel had the shadow. But we have the real sacrifice, Jesus. And we not only have Jesus, we need to put our faith in him. We need to rest in what he done. We need to rest in his finished work. He had talked about how it didn't, it didn't profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. God's word never fails. God's word is eternal. And it never ever fails. Nothing, none of it will fall to the ground. But it's not released by desire alone. We have to trust it. We have to believe it. Just because I desire it to happen is not enough. I need to believe God at His Word. That's how it's released. We must believe it. True faith demands actions. And when God tells Israel to walk around a wall seven times on the seventh day walk around, then we need to do act on what God tells us to do. God tells us we need to put faith in the cross. Put our faith in Jesus. So that the grace is there. We can believe His grace. But we need to act on it. We need to trust and rest in His goodness. It might make sense. Excuse me. Go with me to uh, verse 3. For we who have, belie have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The writer of Hebrews is quoting here in the middle of the verse from Psalm chapter 95 verse 11. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. That's a quote from Psalm. David wrote that. See, one of the things I'm trying to point out and that the writer of Hebrews is bringing out in this, in this whole context is that a lot of people, especially the Jews who, who the writer of Hebrews is writing to, believe that the Sabbath, I mean the promised land, excuse me, 
is a fulfillment of the Sabbath. But David's making a point. David wrote these words 400 years after the promised land. If David said, talks about a rest that we need to enter into, not just in this verse, but in the, in the, in the, in the following verses, as the writer of Hebrews will, will connect the dots for us. But one of the things we're going to see here is that the promised land, the geographical land of Israel, is not the fulfillment of the, of the Sabbath. Jesus is. Because it's all a shadow. And, and one of the other proofs, not only is it a shadow, but David speaks of a rest yet to come, a rest that we need to enter into. And the writer of Hebrews is speaking of that rest. But David wrote these words 400 years after the, 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 the nation of Israel became the nation of Israel. The prom on the promised land, on a geographical land. The land itself is not the promised land. <coughs> it's not, <coughs> excuse me, it's not the Sabbath. It, 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 was, it would not be spoken of a, a rest yet to come. A rest to enter into. Hopefully you're following my train of thought here. But the rest of the Lord is the same rest that the, the Sabbath illustrates. This, the writer of Hebrews is going to illustrate something. And the Sabbath is illustrated. And it's, it, is, it is illustrated in, the, in this promised land. It is Illustrated in this conquest of this entering into the promised land. It is illustrated in, 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 in the creation story where God rests in the seventh. It's illustrated because it's a shadow. It's illustrating the same message, but it's pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to Christ. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? God rested on the seventh day, Genesis 2 2, because everything was complete. He didn't rest because he was tired. It said, I quoted from last week from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28, God, God does not slumber. God does not grow weary. God does not get tired. God doesn't have an off day. God doesn't say, have a sign on his door, do not disturb. God does not have a sign on his window that he's gone fishing. You know, God doesn't take a rest. He never slumbers or sleeps. But he, he, he rested because the work was complete. And he said it was very good. And when Christ died on the cross, it said in, in John, and, and, and it's quoted in the book of Revelation, that it is finished. And God said it is done. You know, when a painter paints a painting, and it's done, one more stroke. One additional stroke would make it imper imperfect. When a, when a lawyer says, I, I rest my case, there's nothing more to be said. It's done. It's been said. They rest their case. God rested because the work was done. And all that creation story, and all that Sabbath speaks of a uh, 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 rest that, uh, of Jesus, saying it is finished because it is finished. He didn't need to do any more. He didn't need to do any less. It was finished. And just like it was finished in creation so that man could live upon this, 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 this earth before the fall. So we in Christ Jesus have entered into a perfect unit, a perfect relationship with God. Now, when Jesus comes again and all that, we're going to get a new heaven and a new earth because sin has messed this one up. It's beyond repair. To a, certain, to a certain degree. But at the same point in time, eternal life is not about the new heaven and new earth. Eternal life is having a relationship with God. John 17 verse 3 explains the definition of what eternal life. This is eternal life. Then you know him, the one true God. And Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. That's eternal life. Okay? Um, but again, man was created last and then moved immediately into the Lord's rest. God has recreated us in Christ Jesus, and we need to move immediately into all that he's provided for us through the cross. That makes sense. Adam didn't need to, to create a new seed. God did, Adam didn't need to create a new gene. God made him male and female. He didn't need to create, 
Adam and Eve did not need to create a new gender. They were already created. It was perfect. Okay? Anything else would mess it up. God, 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 man was created for the perfect climate. Everything was perfect. They just had to rest in what God had created. God has already made us perfect in Christ Jesus. We just need to rest in it. We need to trust it. This world's not perfect because it hasn't received Jesus. If it had, then it would be. But, and we're going to get a new heaven and a new earth when, uh, at, the, at the end, when, when, the, when there's a separation of the sheep and the goats, when the wicked will be cast into hell. And, and I mean, I just, one thing I've got to love about heaven, not only is because God's there, we get to be with Jesus for eternity, but there's no more sin. There's no more evil. There's no more sickness. It's perfect. The way it was supposed to be. The way Adam enjoyed it before there was sin. But it's going to be a brand, there's not going to be any corruption. There won't be any bat, bat, bacteria. There won't be any COVID or any type of a disease. It's going to be perfect. Because sin and sickness and evil and everything has been thrown into the lake of fire. As horrible as that is. And I'm not you know, the reason why God is patient, we God, God has not come yet because He's long suffering. That he doesn't want any to perish. But a day is coming. And that's why we, as a church, need to be busy, not passive, knowing who we are in Christ and get this established so that we can be busy bringing others into the kingdom. Because we want them to come with us to this paradise, to this heaven, to this eternal relationship with God. Hopefully I'm making sense of We need to rest in what God has already done, what God has provided. That's the New Testament message of the, the Old Testament shadow. There is a place, I believe there is a place that we can arrive where we are not striving for His blessing. I believe there's a place that we can arrive where we're not striving for His goodness. We're talking about resting in His goodness because He'll take care of everything. We're talking about resting in His goodness. But church, I believe there's a place that we can arrive in our minds, in our spirits, in our hearts where we are not striving for His blessing. We're not striving for His goodness. We're just resting in it. Am I making sense? I believe there's a place that we can arrive that we are resting by faith in what God has already done for us in Christ Jesus. This is the Sabbath rest. What I'm describing right now, this is the Sabbath rest, where we come to a place where we're not striving to, for His goodness, we're not striving for His blessing, but we are receiving it by faith. That is the Sabbath rest. Verse 4. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. Who's he? God. God has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. He's quoting from Genesis 2 2. He quoted in the previous verse from Psalm 95. He's quoting here from Genesis 2 2. See, the Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament realities. Keep your finger here because we're coming back to Hebrews. We're not done. But go with me to Colossians chapter 2. I've been mentioning about the shadow, so let's get some scripture to back this up. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. And we're going to be looking at that a little bit later too. There's more than one Sabbath. <laughs> It's plural. Which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. The substance is of Christ. Do you need to get any more clear? A shadow is not the substance. These things, these, I mean, we're not going to go through all these different foods and drink and festivals, new moons. I mean, if we're going to think... If we're going to be if we're going to be Old Testament legalistic about Sabbath, 
then we need to be Old Testament legalistic about new moons, about festivals and food and drink. But all of these things are shadows of the substance which is of Christ. I'm making sense. Anyone who's making the Sabbath day the substance has missed, has put Christ aside. And has made this, the, 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 the people have idolized, have made the Sabbath an idol. No, the substance is Christ. Anytime you push Christ aside when, when it's a substance, it's wrong. It's gonna be backwards and it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be like the man from heaven when they picked it up on the on the uh, on the wrong day or kept it overnight when they weren't supposed to and it was there was worms in it. You know, it's itchy, it's gross, it's nasty. But you can't you, you, you can't cheat the word of God. Okay? <clears throat> But let me just say this, going back to Hebrews. For he has spoken of a certain place on the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. Just like, see, when God created the heavens and the earth, he said in Genesis chapter 1, 31, that it was all very good. God didn't create another seed. God didn't create another tree. God didn't create another animal. God did not create another gender. God did not create anything new. God created everything. It was perfect. God created everything that God created that was a living organism. He created to procreate. Every insect, every plant, every animal, every human, God created to procreate. God didn't create another seed. God gave, told man, you will be fruitful and multiply. God gave us God gave the creation that he created the, the command to be fruitful. We are now in charge of what we procreate, not procreate. Okay? Um, and that we go. But, and so that, that's a shadow. It's all, the substance is Christ. Makes it, make it sense? Because everything in the Old Testament that we can talk about is a shadow of Christ. Okay? We don't have to ask, in other words, let's put this in a New Testament reality. We don't have to ask Jesus to come and die for us again. Why he already did it? He finished the work. There's only one new thing that God did ever since creation in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. There's only one new thing he did new, and that was create us in Christ. And he did that through the cross. He did that through the second Adam. Jesus did not come from the seed of Adam. Jesus was born came from Mary, born of a virgin, of the, of the Word of God. His, the seed comes from the male and not the female. I'm not going to get very specific with the birds and the bees here, but at the same point in time, the male has a seed. And Jesus did not come from, from the loins of Adam. He came from the Holy Spirit. He was born of God. <coughs> and it says, it says in... Um, and I think it's Jane, or Peter, excuse me, I think it said James earlier. But Peter says, we're not born again of corruptible seed through Adam. We're born through incorruptible seed through Christ. We're born, it's, it's, it's the greatest miracle that's ever taken place is for us to be born again. We were not born again through Adam. We were born again through Christ. It's a whole new DNA. It's a whole new no disrespect to our natural father, but our natural father is no longer our father anymore. He's our heavenly father. And we are his children. You can't have two fathers. We're born again. We're born anew. But because, in the new, I'm trying to bring this to a New Testament reality, we don't have to ask Jesus to come and die for us again. He's already done it. We just receive salvation. We just receive healing. We just receive provision. We just receive deliverance. We just receive anything that we need in Christ Jesus. See, some of us are, some of us are still not given it. We just receive. God, Adam didn't need to plant a new type of apple tree. He didn't need to plant a new type of banana tree. He just had to rest in what God had already provided. God has already provided healing, 
wholeness, deliverance, provision, everything we need. We're talking about resting in his goodness and he will take care of everything. When we, the, the, the latter part becomes a natural byproduct when we get the first part down. When we rest in his goodness, he will take care of everything because in Christ Jesus, he's already taken care of everything. But it's not, the fruit is not coming forth because we're trying to plant a different seed. We're, trying, we're trusting the wrong seed. We're watering the wrong seed. We're fertilizing the wrong seed. We're nourishing the wrong seed. No, we rest in his goodness, his salvation. We rest in Jesus. And he will take care of everything. He water the right seed. It will just come forth. It's called the fruit of holiness. The fruit of righteousness. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 11 verse 30 that says the fruit of righteousness is like a tree of life. The same fruit that came from the tree of life is in Jesus. This righteousness that we have by faith in Christ Jesus. When we rest in his goodness he will take care of everything because everything we need is in the seed. Everything an apple tree needs is in the seed. The tree, the branches, the, the branches, the leaves, the, the blossoms, the apples, and more apple seeds. Everything that apple tree needs outside of water, the water of the word, but the only thing we need it needs is already in the seed. All the everything that we need. We're talking about resting in his goodness and he'll take care of everything. This everything that we need, this everything that we're crying out to God for is in the see Jesus. But we need to rest. We need to water. We need to plant that seed. We need to water that seed. We need to trust, rest in that seed. And he will take care of everything. Because it's there. You get this. This is awesome. We have to labor to get into that rest. But the everything is a byproduct of the rest. Am I making sense? You know, it's hard to speak to the camera because I can't see your faces. I can't see your expressions. I can't see if you're getting it or not getting it. I, a good speaker, I believe, reads his crowd, his audience. I can't do that through a lens. I don't know if you're nodding your head, shaking your fist, or what are you, what are you doing? You know? In other words, the supply was made before the need. The supply and creation. God created everything and then put Adam on the perfect earth. The creation and salvation are almost synonymous. God created the supply before the need. God created the supply, everything we would need in, in create, naturally in creation before the need was there. God supplied everything we would need in Christ before the need was there. You need provision? It's in Christ. You need healing? It's in Christ. You need wisdom? It's in Christ. You need deliverance? It's in Christ. You need wholeness? It's in Christ. You need soundness and peace? It's Christ. You need peace, love, joy, goodness, kindness, etc. The fruit of the Spirit is in Christ. Rest in His goodness, and He will take care of everything. I'm not getting very far. Go with me to verse uh, 5. It says, And again, in this place, they shall enter my rest. He's quote, he quotes again, the second time, he quotes from Psalm 95, verse 11. Again, they shall not be rest. But you have to put four and five together. Let me read them together. For he has spoken in a certain place, and of the Sabbath day, in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, the word, the and is a conjunction, so it's the same, he makes it the same thing. And again, in this place, He's talking about this time, they shall not enter my rest. And again in this place. Again, he just quoted from Genesis 2.2. 2. He quotes the second time from Psalm 95.11. David was still encouraging the people to enter the Lord's rest. What is the Lord's rest? We're going to look at it in a little bit if we get there today. But verse 9 talks, says, skip down real quick, there remains a for rest for the people of God. There's a rest that remains. In other words, again, let me bring everything back to perspective here. The writer of Hebrews is writing to the Hebrews. The Hebrews believed that the promised land was the fulfillment of the Sabbath rest. And he's quoting from David in Psalm 95, and he's quoting from God in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, that that's not the case. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of the rest. Because, if, again, if, if the, the literal promised land was the fulfillment of the Sabbath rest, then David, 400 years after the promised land came into existence, David would not set, 400 years later, would not have spoken of another rest to come. He would not have spoken, he would not encourage the people to enter into a rest if they had already done it 400 years ago. That making sense. He's, he's making a, he's making a, the writer of Hebrews is making a case here. Create, in other words, creation was not the first and the last rest. There is still a rest that remains. And the four, it is this 400 years after the promised land. The promised land was not the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He's making an argument here. Christ is. Christ is a fulfillment. Christ is the rest that remains. That we are to enter into that rest. Verse 6. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. What was their disobedience? Unbelief. They disobeyed God. They didn't enter. The first generation, again, they left Egypt they come into the promised land, but they, their disobedience was wandering in the wilderness 40 years. Not, and did it, why didn't they enter the promised land? It wasn't because God didn't tell them. No, God told them in Numbers chapter 33 they entered the promised land. But when it came to the time to Moses, they didn't, there was only one reason they didn't enter the rest. That was because of unbelief. And God calls it disobedience. Actually, if you read the context of Hebrews, he calls it rebellion. I think he talks about this in chapter 3. He calls it rebellion. And some people, there's, there's church, there are things God has provided us in Christ. Healing, provision, with everything we need is in Christ. And when we won't believe God, it's disobedience. I'm not, trying, I'm not saying this to condemn you. I'm saying this to help you. I need to hear 